Hello and welcome to episode number 85 of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host Jason Holzer along with my good buddy Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, good morning to you. Good morning to you. How, how's it going in your neck of the woods? You know, we, uh, we're we doing all right. You know, he's getting up early for school for my kindergartner. Has its moments in the morning, right? He just wants to play. So uh, I was able to flip the script this morning, though. On the way, we played rock, paper, scissors on the way to school. And that put him in a good mood because he's like, Dad, I just want to play. I just want to play. I was like, hey, let's make the best of the situation. So what can we do? Like, what game do you want to play? Rock, paper, scissors. I'm like, perfect. I can do that. So I'm driving, like, doing rock, paper, scissors. And he's like. You know, he, he said he won every time, but I was like, hey, it got him in a good mood for school. So, hey, by the way, I don't know if you've experienced this with rock, paper, scissors. I used to be really good with this, my son, because I knew he used to always just do rock every time when he was like a little kid, like four year old, and I beat him every time. Now I'm not as good. So, it's, they're it's, uh, getting a little bit smarter, aren't they? Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. Um, well, you know, and also, by the way, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at 40 Athletes. Uh, it's right there. If you search 40 Athletes on YouTube, subscribe because you can get all the great uh, content that we put out. And today we got the uh, founder of Project, uh, the Reform Sports Project, named Nick Bonacore. And I'm excited to dive in because he gets into so many good things that we've talked about. But uh, he also has a great way of explaining maybe a different message of what we bring as well. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing this because I think like he's trying to kind of transform we talk about youth sports the experience um and how parents and you know coaches and and athletes in general go about it to, so make sure that they're not just you know dealing with the wins and losses but they're becoming a better person through the sport and developing life skills help them succeed in and out of the sports they're playing so i'm excited about this one and also what i like about nick is he's been a collegiate baseball player Hey, by the way, national champion. Okay, yeah, I won national championship. All right, let's get that straight. And played professionally. So yeah, and he's been a coach and a sports parent. He's a dad of six. So I mean, all the areas. So we're gonna go ahead and bring him on this morning. Nick, good morning. Uh, Thanks for joining us this morning. Ah, good morning, fellas. It's a pleasure, honor to be here. Love what you're doing, and uh, I just can't thank you enough for for the opportunity. I'm excited to dig in with you guys. Love the energy. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, Nick, by the way, as Jason gets us started, I got to say, uh, you know, a lot of times you can't control things in life, but you control how you respond to things. Heard this morning, possibly, maybe you had a child to put diesel, uh, gasoline in a car that didn't need diesel. So how, how, do you get, how do you deal with that one and kind of overcome that? I guess, how do I deal with it? Um, well, it happened last night. I mean, my son, I love him, obviously, love him to death. Smart kid. Um, you know, kind of, uh, got, did what we all do at times and, and, uh, just was a little careless and how'd I deal with it? I dealt with it in a way where, um, we navigated it and, uh, we got a tow truck coming and told the, tow the car this morning. And, uh, I was probably not as smiley last night when I found out as I am right now. Um, but it's fine. Here's what I, here's what I told him. I said, dude, you know, for the last several months, you know, you've had the opportunity to, you know, you're you put oil in the car, you put gas in the car. That's why that you, you know, it's why you have a job. You work. You know that they, they he he works. Um, obviously, when he's not at school and playing sports, I'm like, listen, this is unfortunate for you, but it's going to be a costly error. I mean, honestly, I'm you know, I don't know what's going to cost. It might cost a grand, whatever it's going to cost. Thank God. Hopefully, you have enough in your bank account to to cover it. If not, you're going to be working for free for the next few months. I mean tough lesson, but I can promise you, he's probably not going to be putting, uh, 
And I asked him, I said, dude, I, I, I've been looking on the internet and it's almost like hard to do. Like it's not even the same size nozzle. And he's like, I, I know, I don't know what I did. And I, I noticed it anyway, it was a bonehead move that a lot of us all did it in their teenage years. And thank God no one got injured. My wife and I were kind of when the dust settled, like no one got hurt. Everything's fine. Yeah. We're going to learn from it. All of us. Great learning experience, right? A little life lesson. Yeah. It's always great when it's somebody else's kid, but when it's your own kid, it's not as great, but yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Nick, and uh, what I liked about that story was like, Hey, you know what? You, you're allowing him to feel the pain of that experience, right? Like sometimes, you know, we, I've done this myself, like you try to like, you know, smooth it over for him or like, you know, maybe like make it not so difficult on him. What you're saying is like, Hey, you know what? That's really unfortunate and uh, not sure what's going to cost you, but you know, it might. And, and the thing is, I think, he'll remember that as like, you know, dad was compassionate, but he also didn't let me off the hook that we, I, I was also accountable. And, you know, I think you've also to transition to what you've done with the, your reform sports project, kind of like holding you sports accountable. Like how do we make it a better experience for our kids where, yeah, they're playing, they're competing, but we're also helping them become better people through the lessons that we can teach through the sports in the game. Well, I think this is a perfect example. I mean, it's, 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 you know, and, and just up, I want to preface it. It's not, and I talk about this a lot, you know, sort of the guests that we have on the podcast, but it's not like it's comfortable for my wife and I to just say, Hey, you're paying for that. I mean, it sucks. You feel bad. Right. You know, cause I remember what it's like to make mistakes, but yet at the same time, he is mature enough and accountable enough to where, you know, and I like to think he's learned, you know, through his 16 years, like he would feel bad if we did eat that cost from which we're not going to, but it goes back to sports and it goes back to all the things, exactly what you mentioned. And, and I think that as parents, we need to focus on extracting from the experience because this is life. And, and what I kind of, you know, talked about this morning with him is, is at the end of the day, this is what happens. And, and I got them up early because today they're actually, there's a teacher conference here. We live in Wilmington, North Carolina. So there's a, there's a teacher day. So the kids are off from school here in New Hanover County. So I got his butt up early with me when I was up with my young ones. And I'm like, I'm going to let you see what I have to do now to to take care of this situation. I'm going to see. I want you to watch me make the phone call. See how it's kind of I'm disrupting the day. Not just so you see what goes on from a parent's perspective when, you know, things happen. You know, we don't just fold like it'd be easy for me to just disregard it or you or whatever. Like when things happen, when life happens, when adversity strikes in whatever way, shape or form it is. You have to deal with that and you have to learn how to navigate it and keep moving the ball forward. And it's the same analogy as it is in athletics. When was the last time any of us played in any type of sporting event, you know, years ago where the, everything went according to the game plan, right? It's about being able to, to pivot. And, and at times when, when things happen, it's, and I actually use this term this morning is I'm leaning into this, you know, and I, I kind of felt corny using the cliches or such as I'm talking to him, but I meant, I'm leaning into this situation. We're being proactive. We're going to try to get it situated as quickly as possible. And, But it's living life on life's terms. And I think there's not a better place, avenue, at least from my experience, to help kids get prepared for that than through, you know, through athletics and, and especially through youth athletics because not everyone continues to play through high school and college. So we have to extract those lessons when they come up and they happen every single practice and game. Nick, I love that leaning into it because I can tell like you're leaning in to the Reform Sports Project. I love your mission to restore healthy balance of perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Now, when we go into that, what I'd like to do is I feel like parents can make or break experiences. 
sure. you know, not only, you know, for the kids, for coaches, for administrators, for people involved. And I love on one of you, I heard you give a talk and you're talking about, I think it was Tim, Tim Corbin. That's the head coach of Vanderbilt. Yeah. And you asked him like what advice he would give to parents. And he, and he talks about release the opportunity to your child. And you tell a story about your son going into high school, being a, a wrestler. Yeah. And people telling you to not have him maybe enter and hold him back. Can you talk about that story and what it is to release the opportunity yeah. to your child? It's one of my favorite stories. And now that's my oldest son, Avery, who, um, my middle son, Tyler, is the one we're dealing with with the car this morning. But um, Avery's a senior. He's um, he's going to be wrestling next year. He committed to go wrestle at the University of North Carolina, Pembroke. Um, he's, had a, he's had a great career. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's always been a pretty good wrestler. Um, that's his passion. He also plays, you know, he's played lacrosse and such. But going into his freshman year, so we're here in Wilmington, North Carolina, which, you know, a lot of you know um, is the home birth home of, of Michael Jordan. Um, Laney High School, where my kids go to high school, is actually where Michael Jordan went to high school. So the whole gymnasium, everything is Michael J. Jordan Gymnasium and all of that stuff. Um, but when we were going to Laney, so so Laney's actually known for their wrestling program. And here we are on the coast of Eastern North Carolina, right at the you know, right on the beach. Um, you know, it, it, you wouldn't think it's like a baseball hot hotbed and and football and basketball. But here at Laney, the 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 most prestigious i should say or or program that does the best is their wrestling program so when avery was getting ready to come in as a freshman they were just coming off i think they finished in the the 4a state semifinals as a team and they had a couple kids that were going to be pressing for individual state state titles and my son avery coming in you know people knew that he was he was an impact wrestler had he gone to any other program you know a handful in the state he would not have been the starter as a freshman. He would have been the starter outside of a handful um, at his 106-pound weight division. But coming into Laney, he had a, a kid who uh, was a state runner-up and then was literally his freshman year, Avery's freshman year. So this kid, Mark Samuel, who's now in college, uh, went 51-0. So Avery had to sit the bench, you know, was a backup as a freshman. Now he ended up getting 26 matches. He wrestled up. He still got plenty of varsity time, but going into high school, people were like, dude, you should hold them back. Mark's there. He, he Avery can't beat him, you know, be good. He'd go in there a year later. And, and I remember thinking to myself, now here's Avery. My son is, he's a straight A student. Um, he has friends. He has other things going on other than athletics. And I would tell these people like, dude, I'm not holding my kid back strictly for athletics because it's, you know, you or someone else believes he's going to have more an advantage being older. Like, what like that's I can see if he was struggling socially, if he was struggling from an academic standpoint. But it's like, what are we putting the the microscope on if we do that? We're making it all about athletics. And for us, it just was not the right decision as parents. Um, and it ended up being the best thing he could have experienced from a wrestling standpoint. For those of you who know wrestling, the best thing you could do is have a great partner in your room around your weight. So Avery was able to be around this kid who ended up going on and becoming a three-time state champion. The following year, Avery sophomore, he was the starter, ended up being a state placer, but he learned so much that freshman year, not starting, getting those reps in uh, about his own mental fortitude. And I, I think had we not allowed him that opportunity, like you said, released that opportunity for him to go in there and earn his keep, we would have been doing him a disservice. And it would have been almost as if we were trying to you know, pave the path for him rather than allowing him to navigate it and releasing it, letting him pave his own path.
Hey, Jason, I know you want to jump in on something, but I was going to, Nick, on this, you also, I remember mentioning to your son, you're like, hey, if you want to wrestle varsity, go beat him. Yeah. You got to go beat him. If you want this, you got to figure out a way to go beat him or do something that gives you opportunity. You didn't, as a parent, go like, oh, I know, the coach isn't this, or, you know, it's a bad situation, and we, we need to go somewhere else. So you put it on your son, kind of gave him the opportunity and tell him, hey, go make it happen if you want it. One of the beautiful things I love about wrestling is that there's before each week, there's wrestle offs. So if you, you know, if you beat the kid at your weight, you start that week, right? Unless a coach makes an executive decision, but in our pro and the program coach lets them wrestle off, right? If, if you want to go. So what Avery did, he was more valuable to the team as the backup at 106 pounds. God forbid something happened. You know, this kid, Mark Samuel, um, Avery would have stepped in and been a you know, very good replacement at that, at that weight. But coach also, so he had to stay around that 106 pound weight. But coach also said, hey, if you want to go challenge the 113, 113 pounder and wrestle him off and wrestle at that weight, you know, as a little bit lighter, go ahead. And a couple of weeks, he actually beat that kid and was able to earn his starting position. He didn't win every week, but exactly to the point you were, you were just uh, um, describing, it forced him to kind of ad lib and find his own way to get on the mat. Like, if you, it might not be easy. You might be a little undersized, but he also proved himself that he can wrestle up a little bit and beat that other kid and, and earn his own time. I was very proud of him. My wife and I, Amy, were, were very proud of his effort because it was led by him. And it, he, I think he also grew from that, knowing that, you know, he had more capabilities than maybe he thought. It forced him to get uncomfortable, you know, just like all of us. It's like, I'm getting uncomfortable this morning. I don't love it. But on the other side of that, there's obviously growth. Well, Nick, too, you know, the value he had of spending that year with somebody that was so great, like, you know, because most of the time, you know, kids will, especially teenagers, they're more influenced by their peers and even their coaches sometimes, right? So having somebody that he could imitate, that he could, you know, uh, follow, observe, probably was equally as beneficial because then he got to learn and see, observe before he actually tried it. So he had some tips and things. Keep talking about the value of like, you know what, maybe it's okay for you to stop and observe first before you just get thrown into the wolves. So you have an idea of what you're actually getting into as well. Man, you're going to start getting me fired up here because this is like a pat. I'm very passionate on this subject because this is my own personal experience as well. When I was a, a, like a lot of kids that go on and, and play sports in college, you're always the best, you know, one or two athletes or players on your team in high school. Like I always say, you know, I don't care what level you go to division one, two, three, NAI, JUCO, everybody was all state. Everybody was all league and you know, everyone was the MVP, whatever. And then you get there and you're surrounded by a bunch of guys or gals who are at the same level, if not higher than you. So my freshman year of college, I went to North Carolina Wesleyan college. Um, at the time we were, you know, perennial powerhouse at the division three level hall of fame coach. Mike Fox was there who went on to coach 22 years at the university of North Carolina. And, um, you know, they were just coming off. Wesleyan was just coming back from the World Series. I wanted to go there because they were competing for national titles. That was the best level that I can go to. And I thought be at the best program I could and also be at a level that I thought I can have an impact on right away. Um, I knew I went on my recruiting trip. I saw him play and I felt very comfortable. I also wanted to go down south. I grew up in Connecticut in the northeast playing baseball. The opportunity to go down south was huge. But I knew I was going to have to go down there and earn my place. And the, I was a catcher. The catching position, the senior had graduated. The senior, the year I, before I got there, was Scott Forbes, who is now the current head baseball coach at the University of North Carolina, a very good friend of mine. 
Um, he graduated, so the spot was open. There was me and a few other guys who came in, a couple of JUCO transfers, so we were all competing for it. And physically, I was there. And actually, I'll fast forward a bit. My first ever career varsity start, uh, varsity uh, start at Wesleyan. We were down in Florida on our spring trip. Uh, it was like the sixth or seventh game of the year. I got my start. I go five for five at the plate. Have a great day. I come back and I'm starting opening weekend of the conference, our conference play. And I was so nervous. I was like, I, as soon as I found that I was starting that game, I almost wanted to like, I was so scared that I almost, I was, I almost wanted to ask coach, like, please, I'm not ready for this. Well, I didn't do that. And I started and I was as horrendous. It was obvious. I was nervous and I was, I wanted, it was just so bad. I was missing balls. It was hilarious. The point is, is I was not mentally ready. I just wasn't mentally ready to, to, to lean into that role at that time. I was 18 years old. Um, and I just wasn't there. I was comfortable and I needed that year around guys who were older than me to, to, to kind of sit back and not be the leader. I wasn't mentally prepared to do that. And that experience of being on the bench, I got 25 at bats. I got to travel with the team, go to the college world series that year, but I learned so much through watching everyone else. I got to play a little bit. But had I not had that experience of kind of trying to figure it out, and that's what I, that's what, you know, to your point, I think there is so, everyone wants to get on the field or be the starter right away. And I get that. That's some kids are ready to step into that as a freshman or a sophomore, whatever it is. I wasn't. And that was okay. So I don't think it's a situation where we should be, you know, if we're parents, like look at a circumstance and say, hey, is, how much value is because that it's not always going to be where the door is wide open and we're able. Sometimes we have to figure out that it's not our time and our time is going to be best served waiting. And, and what do we do with that opportunity? Do we do we complain? Do we become a, a cancer to the team to become disruptive or we do accept our role and say, hey, what's the best way for me to utilize my skill set in this role here on the team, which isn't a starter right now? but I can still have a positive impact. Maybe that's being a great teammate. Maybe that's pushing the guy who is the starter to keep him on his toes and keep his, him, him honest, right? Because I got to keep it competitive. And, and maybe it's just sitting back and 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 being and, and finding a different way to lead or just be a part of that team. So I, I to, to the point of the opportunity to learn, I think we need to do a better job as parents and as coaches to preparing these kids that there is value in that so long as we have the right mindset and we go in it with the right approach. And I think it goes back to Nick, the process, right? There's a process and stuff in life. And I feel like in today's day and age, it's the microwave society. We want it now. And you mentioned, I hear you talk about with parents, you're like, things aren't always going to go your way. They're not always going to go your way for a child. And when you mentioned like the car ride home, like mm -hmm. you can actually help culture in a program or you can sabotage it. And you mentioned like sometimes when people are frustrated, they're maybe bad mouthing the, the coach or saying the kids should be playing or doing this or say we need to transfer and go to somewhere else. Can you speak to that as maybe a parent of how to get your emotions away from it, of wanting it now and understanding that this process can be good if we stay the course, there's fruits that can come from it? I think it's being intentional. You know, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday when my uh, I was driving my my two youngest ones, Mark and Colin, who are uh, five and a half and four, and they play in a little 
you know, soccer youth thing, you know, once a week. And two weeks ago, Colin, my four-year-old, you know, for the last two weeks, he's gone to practice. He literally shows up before practice starts. He runs around, has fun. Then as soon as it starts, he's like, he shuts down. I want mommy. I want this. I want that. A lot of that is because he's freaking four years old. And secondly, he's, he's tired. He's in school now for the first time fully, even though he's pre-K, he's not taking a nap during the day. And he needed a snack. Maybe he needs a little hunger. Whatever the case is, yesterday couldn't have been better. Probably because I filled him up on like Fruit Loops and like a, a, a granola bar before we got there. It was all jacked on sugar. But either way, he was phenomenal the whole practice. And we're in the car on the way home. And him and Mark both had a good practice. They were enthusiastic. And I just, I swear to, I swear, I told him, I said, man, I just want, man, I am, I love watching you guys play. I love, I just love watching you guys have so much fun. Did you guys have fun today? Well, I'm so proud of you. You were, you were happy. You were smiling. It was so much fun. And then that's it. Um, fat, you know, but again, those kids are young. So I don't even begin to talk about like, if they say, Hey daddy, did you see me kick the ball? Or did you, yeah, man, you were awesome. Did you have fun doing it? With my older kids and this, you know, I've made, I made mistakes when my older kids were younger. It would be talking about, Hey, Hey, uh, what happened when you, that ball, you know, you threw that ball away or you, you took that O2 pitch down the middle and struck out. Like what was your mindset there? Ha I don't call it the reform sports project for, for, uh, you know, for no reason. Like I was the other guy for a little bit. Was I out of control? No, but I mean, you know, I started to notice that. I was talking about performance. I was doing that. And more importantly, I, I, because I was a coach, I think I knew enough not to um, talk about that side. If my kids were playing for another coach, I, I always make sure not to talk about decisions coaches make. I'm a big, big believer in I don't like excuses, period. Um, you know, we got to find accountability in every situation. But as a sports parent now, because I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna coach this coming year. My goal is to be the best parent possible, and that is to make sure that I do everything I can to make my kid view their coaching staff and their teammates as nothing but positive, and and to to be an advocate for the coach. I don't care. You know, people will say, "What if the coach doesn't know anything?" Or is clearly, man, I don't care. Because if we're talking about volunteer coaches, man, that coach is doing something that not a lot of people are willing to do. And I'll be damned if I'm going to be someone who's going to, to, to criticize someone who's given up their own time to try to help my child, you know, become better. So I think it's being intentional with your words, understanding that it's not about performance. It's about those things that we extract their effort, enthusiasm. Will I coach up my kid's effort? Um, if I see him being a bad teammate or see him pouting or whatever, yeah, I may say to him, Hey, what happened here, man? You, you got to try to work on, you know, carrying your energy a little bit better. Those things I think it's important to point out because those are life skills performance wise though. I want to make sure that their identity and their emotions and such are not tied to their performance and their sport. And I think that's all done in the car ride home. We've got to be intentional with our, with our words, words matter. Hey Nick, that, that speaks to me right there because there was an experience this summer that I had with a friend of mine his uh, son was playing rec baseball and as a volunteer coach, mm -hmm. right? And he's complaining, This the dad's complaining about the coach. And, and I hear it from the kid because the kid's telling me what's going on. And, of course. and that's what the dad's saying. And I talked to the, the friend of mine. I'm like, listen, it's a volunteer coach. If you don't like it, then you go volunteer. You go spend the time doing it, right? Because a lot of these parents, they don't want to volunteer. They don't want to sacrifice the time, but they're willing to sit there and to be critical of another coach that's out there that's giving up their time 
to be around the kids and they might not be, they're not a college coach. They're not a professional coach. They're trying to do the best they can. Right. hundred percent. I mean, I interviewed uh, Frank Martin um, at the time he was a head basketball coach at the university of South Carolina. He's now the head basketball coach at the university of Massachusetts, UMass. And, and coach Martin has a, has a very famous, um, I'm calling it a rant where he was during a press conference and it's on YouTube. You look it up and he talks about this exact topic and we got into it and it's so critical, man. It's so easy for people to sit back and, and listen, here, here's the bottom line, man. And, and I, I know what it feels like to feel as if my value or my, uh, uh, I know what it feels like to have your kid do well in a sport and you, you know, as a parent, you stick your chest out a little bit more. I also know what it feels like to have your kids struggle and you feel like, oh man, you know, it's no parents. Listen, it's not about us. It's not about us, man. And, and I don't care if the coach who's coaching my kids, nine, you machine pitch baseball team never played the sport, like get off your rear end and go do it while I work. I was, so does he. And so does she. Like, I can't stand that. You want to get me hot? Let's talk about this. I've dealt with it. Um, you know, take your kid to a travel club. Go play Go play money and, and get, have paid coaches do it. You're going to deal with the same thing. Like, what I've learned is you can't make everyone happy. And those who are willing to be open-minded as parents and realize, like, you know, I always – I always get, I always laugh because I read some of the comments on our, on our, on our, I read a lot of the, some of the comments. I try not to read them all. I've gotten better at that, but it's like, you, you find that these people who are, man, it's all about going out there and win. If we're not trying to win, we're finished. What are we trying to teach? It's like, dude, there's a difference between teaching your kids how to compete and how, you know, winning and losing. Like while competition, there are winners and losers outcomes, particularly at the youth level, we're talking youth level are not as valuable as the lessons that are learned and how to compete in how to compete properly. You can compete very well and you can compete at an elite level and lose. As you guys both know, you can win a game or win a match or win a tournament and complete like an absolute clown, have terrible sportsmanship, leave a bad taste in every team's mouth, use terrible language and not represent you and your, your family the right way and still get a W, right? But I think that that's losing. And that may sound cliche and they sound corny, but it's not about just wins and losses when we're talking about young kids. We're trying to give these kids an opportunity to learn. And you guys, man, I, it all ties into identity too. Like, what are we putting the emphasis on? Are we telling these kids you're athlete first, human being second? Because there's a mental health issue going on in this if people haven't woken up to it. And COVID kind of shed a light on it. We've been fortunate to have many athletes at the high, highest levels like Michael Phelps, uh, Kevin Love, uh, Simone Biles, the list goes on and on, who talk about the struggles that come with, you know, when you're all in on a sport, right? When your identity's tied to that. And if we're pushing that at a young age, I think we could be setting our kids up for potential disaster down the road. Well, and you, you mentioned that and a couple of things to, to dive into that, you know, when you talk about it, it's it's not so much what you're getting, the medals and trophies, what you're becoming through the sports that you're playing, right? And it's like you're human beings, not human doers. But I want to get into this part of it is like speaking, you've coached and speaking to coaches out there. What's the best way for them to communicate to parents? I'm a big believer communicating to parents to get everybody on the same page. What's the mission? What we're about? What we're going to be doing? What your kid's going to be getting from this? How do you suggest coaches go about communicating 
and get everybody on the same page? I think it starts with the, the simple word communication, right? And, um, and I think it also, it also takes, and I can speak from experience as a coach, you have to take your ego out of it. You know, you have to take your ego out of it. And it, coaches are just as guilty of this. It's not about you either. Um, and you got to understand you're coaching other people's children. I mean, you know, they're, you know, the most precious cargo I carry around all day long, just like a lot of us who our parents are our kids. So, you know, it, 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 it takes a certain level of maturity. Yeah. While I'll advocate for, um, you know, give coaches space to be coaches at the same time, coaches understand you're dealing with parents who are, you know, there's an emotional interest too. I think the best thing, and I know for, I can only speak from my experiences. I try to send out an email right off the gate when I'm coaching a team right out of the gate, like letting them know the expectations. Um, and I, I go right into, Hey, you know, we're, and I'll give you a perfect example. I, I can't pull up the email right now, but like I've sent out, I have a template, but I, but I'll, I'll say like, Hey, parents, I just want to introduce myself. Um, let you know kind of what the expectations are this year. First and foremost, you know, here's what our practice schedule is. Um, here's what we're going to try to do. It would be very helpful. I always want to know like, Hey, if you're not, if you're, if your kid's not going to be able to be there, like, just give me, give me a heads up. Cause we do, you know, I do create a practice plan. So give me a heads up. So I know ahead of time, if I need to alter some things, I'll also let you guys know as quickly as possible um, if there's going to be any changes, but like open up that dialogue right away, like set the expectation. And secondly, I always point out like parents, th these kids are nine years old. They're eight and nine years old. We are going, I'm going to do everything I can to try to put them in the best positions to be successful. And I'm going to talk about baseball right now. Cause, cause that's what I coached most recently this past spring. Um, in machine pitch in particular, when I'm dealing with seven, eight, nine year well, this year was seven, eight year olds. I want to get kids as much experience as I can at every different position, right? Get them as much experience at every different position, but make no mistake about it. There are certain kids that if I put it third base, if I put it shortstop, or if I put it the pitcher's mound or so, they cannot protect themselves. Like they literally, if a ball's hit too hard to them, they are literally at risk. And I have to like, my, and I, I established this with the parents, like, Hey, for the first few weeks, some of you may see your kid only playing in certain positions in the outfield. Um, and I want you to understand there's a reason for that. It's not because of skill set. It's because there's a literally an issue right now. They're just a little bit far behind with their development where they have a risk. A ball comes too fast and they're going to get, and it hits them in the face. Like they have absolutely no shot at defending themselves. And I'm just out front with them. So I think as far as what you're talking about, getting them on the same page is managing that expectation, you know, managing it. I'm going to coach to each kid's individual skill set. There's not a, here's what we're all going to do. And that's just me as a coach, because each kid's different. Each kid comes with their own different, you know, needs and desires and such. So it's trying to get, and I just try to relay that to the, to the, to the parents right out of the gate. And then I have a meeting first practice, like any questions that you have, what are your expectations? Like here, and open up the dialogue. And I always let them know like, hey, and this doesn't always happen. It happened this past year. I, I, if you have a question or if you're frustrated about something, don't come to me right after the game. Like give me 24 hours. Like take 24 hours, breathe. Get, give some, some distance between why you're upset and when we should talk about this as adults. And I had one coach, one parent come over to me right afterwards and I asked him, hey, this is probably not the best time. You're a little bit hot. Like let's create some space here. He didn't want to do that. So we had a conversation and it, you know, it ended up being professional, but it's like, 
you, you have to, you have to make sure that, and I, and I always say to myself, like, I can go back to that email and I can go back to the dialogue and, and always say, Hey, I, I, I tried to have this conversation. Some people are going to oblige, oblige by it. Some people aren't, what am I going to do? All I could do is try to best create an environment where the dialogue's open. And then I always know that I've kind of keep kept my side of the street clean. Does that make any sense? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's about all I can control. I can't control how others are going to act. I just can try to manage that to the best of my ability, knowing that at the end of the day, hey, parent, I love you, but it's not about you. It's about your kid. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, uh, you know, it's uh, so many great things in this episode. We have to do maybe a part two on this one, Jimmy. But, uh, you know, we always finish our episodes with the four questions with 40 athletes. And these are lightning round questions, some insight. And the first question is, number one, um, what's the best advice you've ever received from a coach? Whew. Man, that is a, uh, I can go a, a million different directions in that. The best advice I ever saw from a coach as an athlete or one of the coaches that I interview? In general, you know, your experience as a person, what's the best advice you've ever? The best advice I ever got, and it wasn't even advice, the best experience I ever had with a coach was with my former coach, Mike Fox, who I spoke about earlier. Um, when, when I got, he went on to coach university of North Carolina as a hall of famer. And, and he's just a legend. I was actually with him this past weekend at an alumni event. Uh, two of my teammates got inducted into our school's hall of fame. So we all got together. It was an awesome time. But when I was a freshman in college, I was very insecure. I was, as I mentioned, I was, I wasn't ready mentally. Um, I wasn't sure of myself. I was lacking in confidence and coach Fox was, was one of those tremendous leaders, clearly why I went to like eight world series and, and just succeeded at the highest level hall of famer. He coached every athlete individual. He found the buttons to push each person and was able to push those. He was able, he knew which, which athletes, which players needed a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a kick in the rear end versus those that needed a pat on the back. Right. I was one of those where if he came at me too hard, I, he might have broke my spirit, and he and he knew that. So when I was struggling at one point early on in my freshman year, he waited for everyone to leave the locker room and just came up to me and just put his arm around me and sat me down and just said to me, hey, Nick, do you, when are you going to learn how good you are? And I mean, him putting his arm around me, sitting me down, talking to me like, like a father would his son or like, you know, it may, it took so much air out of the room for me. Like it made him become this human being as opposed to like this, this grand figure, you know, in me. And it made me feel more free. So the greatest piece of advice that I've ever got, I'll turn into the greatest lesson I ever learned from a coach is find out coach each person as an individual. Find out what makes them tick. It's going to take a little bit more work, but by finding that way to connect with them on a human level is the most valuable way to get the most out of a human being. And it also shows tremendous leadership. I would also say that would also apply to parenting, right? Too, because every kid is different on how you approach them, right? You know, as well. So, um, and this next question I have for you is in your opinion, what does it mean to win in the game of life? Hmm. What does it mean to win in the game of life, man? To me, I guess to me, it's a, a, everyone's different, right? Everyone has their own goals, objectives. To me, winning in the game of life, 
if I can consider myself and I'm only speaking for me, if, if I'm, if I, if I can go to bed at night, um, with a clear conscience, if I feel like I'm being a productive member of society, if I feel like I'm, if I am genuinely at times, cause I think we're all inherently selfish to a certain degree. I think we're born selfish. I think we have, uh, and, and we're naturally, and I'm not a, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, a professional on this topic when it comes to, you know, our DNA and our makeup and our mental, all this stuff. But I, as far as I think we have the ability as human beings to want to take care of ourselves first, I think it takes more effort to try to help somebody else without expecting anyone in return, without expecting anything in return. So to me, to being a productive member or productive life is genuinely going out daily and trying to find ways to be of service to someone without expecting a damn thing in return. Um, and that's not easy to do. It could, it becomes easy, but I think initially you have to find ways to be of service. And a lot of times that's not very comfortable. And Nick, if you could spend time with, uh, you know, anyone that you admire in sports, you'd be dead or alive. Who would it be and why? <laughs> In sports, anyone that I can spend time with in sports, dead or alive, holy smokes, spend time with, like, go to dinner with. So if I if I go to dinner Hang with out. yeah, get, get around them, have a conversation with them. Man, I mean, I think I, I, I off the top of my head, I, I, I I would want to, I would want to, uh, God, there's two, there's two. Well, who are the two? It'd be Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Jordan for, for obviously. And I think I would lean to Jordan, um, because I, I, I find it, I would find it so fascinating to be able to, to be able to ask him, especially where I live in Wilmington and knowing that kind of a little bit of the background of, of, you know, being around where he grew up and seeing it, but I would love to be able to know um, how and why. And what I found from, from, from the podcast is interviewing, you know, so many highly successful human beings is there are traits in successful people that you can literally find that like have long-term success, have all characteristics that are similar. And I would love to know what, and how Michael Jordan, I would love to know how he was able to condition himself in a way where he utilized struggle and adversity as fuel. Like how and why, even when things got really hard, because no one was under a bigger microscope at that time, as we know, you know, than him, everything, you know, he was everywhere. And when things were happening, how did he was able to navigate that and use it and still not deter him from his path? And I'm not talking about any character things that people may say, but I would love to know how he was able to channel that energy and use it in a way to drive his success. Um, I think that'd be fascinating to really. That's, do. that's, that's wise that you said him because you might not be able to walk through Laney and go in the gymnasium if you didn't say that. So that was really good. Yeah. The, last, the last question is this. If you could like, as a coach recruiting someone to play for you or say your business, have somebody you're hired to work for you and they could have one life skill or character trait, what would it be and why? I'd want them to aside from, okay. So, so from a professional standpoint, whether that be coaching or, or 
you know, whether it be in business or whatever, there has to be a baseline of obviously a, a skills where they would be able to, you know, perform that aside that there was at least a minimum baseline. I, I think there, they have to be a good human. They have to have good character. And, and, you know, there's so many ways you can go with that. You ha I have to know that when, if I'm your coach and I'm a collegiate coach, which I'm not, I need to know that when you're not with me, that you're going to represent the program and the institution the right way. I need to know that when you work for me, if I'm you know, a business owner, that you're going to represent, you know, my company and yourself um, the right way when you're not around. Right. Because you, you are a, a walking, you know, flag per se of that brand. And I, I, I also find that, you know, people with, with good character, they, they genuinely, they're good people. Like, they're easier to work with. Um, and that just takes so, so much off your plate. And generally, for the most part, people that have the need to want to be of service, and I think that goes along with character, are usually pretty coachable. You know, they, ha they have to be able to take direction. So I probably gave you a few right there, but I think they all go under the umbrella of being just a generally good human being having high character. Yeah. Uh, Nick, all great uh, final insights today. And uh, before you leave, though, how can people learn more about you and uh, the things you're doing with the Reform Sports Project? So we have uh, so go to, you know, www.reformsportsproject.com. You can find us on Twitter at Reform Sport. Well, if you just go into Twitter and type in Reform Sports Project, it'll bring you to our handle. Uh, I myself am at Nick.Bonacore on Twitter and Facebook. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. We have the podcast. We just dropped a new episode this morning, Wednesday, every Wednesday. Uh, we have a new episode. We have a blog that comes out every Friday. Um, and we also have a newsletter that goes out. So go to any of our you know, websites or anywhere on social on any of our social channels, our podcast, um, you know, features, whether it be coaches, athletes, um, writers, doctors, like anybody who has somewhat of experience in a particular field with that regarding um, youth sports or athletics in general, we're talking about subjects that uh, that I think can benefit all parents, all coaches, all youth athletes to help keep a healthy perspective. So check it out in the blog as well. Yeah. Well, Nick, you know, thank you again for all your insight, for joining us today. And I've checked out a lot of their stuff as well. And it's, it is really great stuff. You got some phenomenal guests on your podcast. So uh, keep up the good work on your end. And uh, we look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. Jim, Jason, I appreciate you guys. Love what you're doing. I really appreciate the opportunity to keep up the good work. And uh, we'll definitely keep moving forward here. Really appreciate you. you Thank you, Nick. Thanks, See ya. Well, Jim, you know, uh, just a reminder again to subscribe to that, our YouTube channel and follow us on social media uh, to check out our new content, including this podcast, which will uh, air next Monday on Apple, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. Jimmy, a lot to unpack there in a short amount, a little bit shorter than what we normally do, but we want to get it a lot in in a short amount of time today. I, I love these because, you know, you know, we're doing this, but we're in a conversation and talking to Nick for the 45 minutes we talked to him. It's like I walk away as a better person, mm -hmm. a better parent, a better coach. So I'm very thankful for that, and uh, I'm glad that we did this today. Yeah, and to all of you that tuned in, thank you again for tuning into the 40 Athletes Podcast. We'll see you all again next week with a new episode.